All right, Bulldog fans, our friends from Tacovas want to remind you that uh, it's festival season, it's concert season, it's sundress season. Yes, it is. And you know you need some nice boots to go along with every bit of that. And Tacovas is your stop for the best in Western wear. Tacovas has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and so much more. All Tacovas boots are made by hand in a very time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tacovas has first wear comforts. So no break-in period. You know how tough that can be with a brand new pair of boots. You can put these bad boys on and ride that ride with a smile. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with the same level of style. So stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary beverage or two, shop the new styles, the smell of fresh leather, and a friendly staff are always at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience quite like it. If you can't make it to a store, visit Tacovas. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S dot com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges shipped right to your door. Go to tacovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, on the big hump day edition of The Yard. Hope things are well with you wherever you are today. It is a great week for Mississippi State Athletics. Today is kind of a quiet day in many respects. Today is Wednesday, so really all we have on the slate as far as Mississippi State Athletics uh, as far as the Boneyard goes, is we have the Mississippi State baseball game at Samford. We're going to get into that a little bit later in the show. We're going to talk a little bit about last night's events, where Jake Mangum is now in the Mississippi State record books. All of that to come. Uh, but uh, I think the first thing first is um, we need to thank our fine sponsors, our good friends at Campus Bookmart. Uh, Stan Ray, Miss Kathy Brown, the whole crew there, they will treat you like family because you are family. Many of you are, are very familiar with the service you're going to get there. You, you, I'm going to tell you this. You're not going to be treated better anywhere than you're going to be treated at Campus Bookmark. Go by, meet the fine staff there, have them help you and help meet your merchandising needs, whether it be for your home, your office, your pet, your automobile, whatever. You can buy the Mississippi State uh, Women's Basketball SEC Championship shirt so you can get some diamond dog gear. And if you can't make it to town, and, and maybe game day is a tough day for you to do any shopping. Maybe you're so anxious to get to the venue that uh, you don't have time to go by and see Stan and the crew there. But go to campusbookmart.net. Online shopping is the way to go for a lot of people, and, and certainly for me. But uh, campusbookmart.net, and use promo code BSR as a loyal Boneyard listener. And BSR stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. And that will get you free shipping on all orders over $50. Any order less than 50 bucks, absolutely incomplete. So a lot has happened since we have been together. And I think the, the biggest story... Monday, obviously, with the NCAA women's basketball bracket coming out. How about that thing got leaked hours before the ESPN announcement show, really making all that anticlimactic. And uh, what an absolute nightmare. I'm sure somebody at ESPN uh, is uh, on the job search now, and and, and rightfully so. That, that's a pretty major snafu because uh, there, it's such a privilege. And ESPN, I'm sure, paid handsomely for the rights to unveil the NCAA women's bracket. And to have it leaked out, and I'll tell you how the whole thing got out there, is, to my knowledge, is former Mississippi State staffer Blake Donis is just watching ESPNU, and uh, all of a sudden the women's bracket starts popping up. So he starts taking screenshots and starts sharing this thing on social media. Then people put the whole bracket together, and uh, he gets a dry erase board out, and he puts the bracket together and tweets that out there. And uh, some people are thinking, well, maybe it's just a tease. Well, you know, guys, listen. 
uh, that's not going to happen. I mean, a major, it's like you said, well, Steve, you know, they leaked the bracket. That's true, but they're not going to leak a bracket to tease things, to set up anticipation for a show. It doesn't, it doesn't, life doesn't work that way. There's not just some internet troll, you know, running the SPN. It may seem like it at times, but that's not the case. But uh, my point being is that that got out there, and then uh, a lot of people were like, well, you know, there's so much for the show. And I, I want to take this opportunity to, to give a real tip of the cap to the Mississippi State fans that despite the fact that they knew what the bracket was going to be, they knew who Mississippi State's opponents were going to be, still came out to Humphrey Coliseum and shared in the moment and celebrated with our team and our coaches. Uh, my, my hat is off to you folks because I'll tell you, there have been a lot of reasons to stay home. Okay, but because it wasn't just about the bracket reveal, was it? It was about celebrating an SEC championship season, a regular season championship, tournament championship, and it's really about celebrating our program. It always warms my heart to see the way uh, that our fans have embraced women's hoops at Mississippi State, and I, I don't, I don't know that we all expect it to care as much as we do, but we do. It's, it's a big part of our lives now. I mean, it's like you can't talk to a Mississippi State fan for very long without the topic of women's basketball being brought up, and uh, that wasn't always the case. You know, my colleague Dave Murray was uh, the SID for women's hoops years and years ago. And uh, Dave will tell you, there were times that he could count attendance by hand. And that's not, that's not joking. That's the reality of things. And that's back in the days before everybody reported paid attendance. You reported actual attendance. Dave said there were some games we have less than 50 people here. Less than 50 people. And, and most games were free. You'd have less than 50 people here. Now we get almost 10,000 some nights. And, uh, you know, as things begin to develop and, and as, you know, this program has grown... Ticket prices have gone up a little bit. That hadn't dampened enthusiasm. People are happy to pay a few more dollars because they're so invested in our team's success. But to see how this thing has become uh, so unbelievably great, it's difficult to fathom. And one of the best things about it is um, the relationship between Vic Schaefer and Sharon Fanning Otis. You know, there's so many times that the, the, the new coach or new manager or new boss, they all come in and they want to automatically discredit the person that came before them. You know, we had some good years under coach then Sharon Fanning. Now Sharon Fanning noticed we, we did have some good years. We went to Sweet 16 before. We had Latoya Thomas. We had Tan White. We had, um, you know, Mary Catherine Gavorno. We had a lot of, we had some good players come through. Alexis Rack. You know, we, we had some moments. We didn't have what we have now. But there was a solid foundation that had been laid. And it warms my heart to see Sharon so embraced and being able to celebrate and enjoy all this that she feels welcome as a part of that. And that is really a tribute to both Vic and to Sharon. Number one, that Vic has said, you know what, come on, you know. Uh, and that Sharon feels comfortable enough with Vic and around this stuff that, that she can be a part of it. And, and I love seeing those pictures of her on those bus trips with our fans. You know what I'm talking about? And there, there's a Sharon Fanny Notice and her husband sitting right up front. Because that's the kind of person that Vic is, and that's a, that shows so much about that relationship. And uh, I, I laugh when I think about Everett and uh, Sharon getting out there and, and washing the bus when State made uh, the Final Four a couple of years ago. True to her word, she uh, she held up her end of the bat. And uh, it, it makes me feel really good, not just about women's basketball, but just about Mississippi State, because that is who we are. Moments like that, that is, that is the Mississippi State story that uh, we don't feel the need to push anybody out or make anybody feel unwelcome. And uh, that's one of the things that I love about this, this basketball team. It's like there's so many people. Look, if, if we all got together 
and it's not just women's basketball, but women's basketball is what we're talking about, so that, that's kind of the, the analogy we'll use. But uh, if we all got together and sat down and decided to discuss uh, you know, anything else other than Mississippi State sports, let's say we, you know, we, we wanted to talk about you know, hunting and fishing or talking about you know, political issues or religious issues, chances are that uh, we would be very passionate about those things in opposite directions. But the success of this program has really united many people of different walks of life, different vantage points. Uh, so you know what? We can set aside our differences and cheer for these ladies and for this coaching staff and for this university, and that's outstanding. And that's the best thing about sport. That is the best thing about sport. And it's not just about supporting your team or your university. It's the fact that it brings so much harmony in the world. And listen, to it, listen among fans. Listen, I understand the rivalries, and that's, that's part of the deal too. But it's so nice that we can unite under the maroon and white banner and kind of not worry about other things. And uh, so it, really excited about this bracket. And uh, you know, looking ahead at a couple of things, uh, you know, Mississippi State will play Southern in the late game. And that's Southern University, uh, not Southern Mississippi. You know, you kind of almost have to qualify that. You know, if you live in Mississippi, uh, every, everybody talk, calls uh, Southern Miss, for the most part, Southern. This is not them. This is not the Southern in Hattiesburg. Uh, Southern Jaguars, the champions of the Southwest Athletic Conference, the SWAC. And all due respect to uh, to the Lady Jags, but uh, this is going to be the typical one versus sixteen. Southern twenty-one and eleven on the year, twelve and four at home, eight and seven away, one and on a neutral court. Um, interesting how they came up with that statistic. But uh, that be all that being said, look at the last three ball games. The uh, South, the SWAC Conference Championship Tournament. That uh, they win that, and get the automatic bid. But uh, looking at their scoring here, they uh, they get by Valley, 51-44. And then in Game Two, they beat Grambling 71-69 in a thriller. And then in a championship game, 45-41. Well, Mississippi State will likely score 45 points or more in the first half. If they don't, I suspect that Vic will be jacketless, sleeveless, possibly shirtless in that halftime locker room because this should be a game, in all due respect to Southern, that Mississippi State should win handily. This is what a one should do to a 16. And that's one of the things, too, that I think is rather interesting because I felt like all year Mississippi State was disrespected. I mean, I, felt, I mean, yes, State was picked to win the SEC, so by the SEC media, I think they kind of appreciated the fact that Mississippi State was going to have a really good team again this year. But nationally, there were some people from the very beginning that never really gave us any credit. And it seemed like, you know, State could win a ball game, a big ball game. We could never move up in the polls. And then when we finally get up there in the top five, we lose to Oregon. They couldn't wait to drop us back a little bit. And then it took us forever to get back up there. And other teams would lose and drop one spot, maybe two spots. But it just seemed like some people in the national media were just kind of saying, well, there's no way Mississippi State can maintain this. Yes, I know they beat UConn, and yes, they played a national championship game back-to-back years, but there's no way that's sustainable. They've just been waiting for us to fall. And even now that State's a one seed for the second consecutive year and the SEC champion for the second consecutive year, it's like, well, yeah, they're a one seed, but you know, they're the weakest of the one seeds. And so I believe that Vic has the motivational piece necessary now to kind of move this thing forward. They've doubted them all year. Yes, they've been a great team. But I don't think anybody's expected State to be back in the Final Four. And I'll be honest with you, I think our path to the Final Four uh, is as difficult as anybody in the country right now. I think when you look at this deal, there's a lot to consider. 
And so should State survive that game against Southern, and I certainly expect them to do so, they'll play the winner of the Clemson-South Dakota game. Now, this Clemson team is interesting. This is one of the biggest turnarounds in the country in women's basketball. And I know many of you guys are followers of the game, and so you want to be students of the game. And so this is, this is a storyline you should like, probably familiarize yourself uh, with. So last year, Clemson went 11 and 19 overall and 1 and 15 in the ACC. 1 and 15. Uh, that that's about as putrid as it gets, right? So they bring in uh, Amanda Butler, former uh, Florida coach. You know, she was at UNC Charlotte for a while, and then uh, she was the coach at Florida. Took a year off. Uh, after, after things didn't work out at Florida and uh, has not taken over at Clemson. So this is a veteran coach. She will have um, – she may not have the horses, but she will have the motivation necessary uh, to prepare this, this Lady Tiger team for the NCAA tournament. And so this is somebody that's going to be somewhat familiar with Vic. Should they survive and beat South Dakota, then uh, I suspect that she'll have a good game plan. May not have the horses – May not have uh, you know the depth to compete with Mississippi State, but I, yeah, listen, that Clemson team is going to be one to kind of watch. It's a great turnaround. This year they're 19 and 12 and 9 and 7 in ACC. That's that's a great turnaround. Now they uh, they did play some good ball games this year. They uh, they actually gave Louisville all they wanted and then some Friday in the ACC tournament. Now, if you guys are were aware of that, but uh, that's a 75-67 game. So they're playing their better basketball here at the end of the season, trending in the right direction. But uh, that'll be uh, that'll that'll be quite the matchup for sure. Louisville absolutely drilled them at Clemson by what 32 points back in early February, and then by the end of the year they're playing in less than 10 points. So. Uh, something to certainly watch. Uh, South Dakota, they're an interesting story too. If you look at, they're 28 and five. I mean, it, this is a veteran team that's used to winning. 14 and two in their conference, 13 and 0 at home this year. Their team coming in ready to play. And if you recall, they got a lot of lot of press early on. Um, lost a tough ball game at Drake early and then went on a winning streak and just tore through the rest of the non-conference schedule. They beat Mizzou at Mizzou 74-61 on December 15th. So this is a team that is capable of playing with an SEC team. They have the, they have the leadership and the experience to compete in the SEC. I, you know, I, I, I'm expecting them to win this ball game against Clemson. But whoever wins it, it will not be a pushover by any stretch of imagination. Yes, I expect State to get out of the first weekend because I think State has the superior players. But this is going to be a very difficult uh, region for State. And I do expect State to get out, but I don't think we're going to see – if we see blowouts in both games, I will be surprised. Now, should Mississippi State survive the first weekend, and we certainly expect them to do so, if the chalk holds, State would play Clemson – in a, pardon me, Miami in a Sweet 16 game in Portland, Oregon. I don't know if you're familiar with this, but Miami uh, beat everybody this year <laughs> in the ACC. They absolutely uh, were among the hottest teams in the country at times this year. 
knocked off uh, Louisville. And uh, it's one, one of those things you begin to think about. You, you, you look at dangerous teams in this tournament, teams that are, that are maybe a little bit underseeded, they could make a run. Uh, I, I think you certainly look at Miami because they have some pretty loud wins on their schedule. And so they're 24-8 and eight on the year. Uh, you know, they've been up and down a little bit early on, but they've gotten up with some big games. And you got to feel like, you know what, if they can win their pod, which we certainly expect them to, then they'll have a, you know, a few days off to kind of prepare and get ready for Mississippi State team. So they, they will come in ready to go. They they beat Vanderbilt 90-65, beat Alabama 101-74. This is a team that can get up down the floor and score for sure. They did lose to Clemson at home, 76-67. But then they they absolutely drilled most of the conference. They beat beat Notre Dame, 72-65. And then they beat Louisville a week later, 79-73. So this is a team that is capable of winning some big games. They did lose down the stretch uh, in Raleigh, 70-68. And then they lose the first-round ACC tournament game, 92-85 to Syracuse. Should Mississippi State advance beyond the Sweet 16 and get into that regional final, we expect that to be Oregon. And there are a lot of people that say, well, you know, Steve, I don't think it's fair that Oregon gets essentially a home game. And that's just the breaks, guys. I mean, that's just the reality of things. But here's the deal. I believe, beyond a shadow of a doubt, this is the matchup that Vic Schaefer wants. I really do. Because, number one, you've already seen Oregon. You know how they're going to defense you. And Mississippi State likely played – it's worst game of the year up there. You could argue the Missouri game here was really bad, and, and it was. But uh, State goes up there, and uh, they're a little bit jet-lagged. Tierra doesn't have a big ball game, barely plays in the second half. And uh, the Oregon guards kind of had their way with us. Mississippi State's won their last eight ball games. Oregon's lost three of their last eight. So I think, you know, they, I think they peaked earlier in the year. I believe, and let's just say this is a somewhat educated opinion, I believe that Mississippi State really wants that matchup. And a lot of ball games to go between now and then. And I'll be honest with you, Miami scares me more than Oregon does. Because I expect Miami to come in ready to go. They'll have more time to kind of prepare. Because I believe the Bulldogs probably have a chip on their shoulder a little bit about Oregon. And Miami could be a bit of a trap game. The first got to get through the first weekend. Miami makes me nervous. That, that's, one, that's probably the one team I did not want to see in our bracket was Miami because they're going to want to get out and run. Now, I know that, listen, we, we like to run a little bit too, but uh, we really like for you to get in your half-court set and then try to drive in on Tierra McCowan and let her put the ball in the stands. That's kind of what we want to do. And so when there is all of that going on, uh, when there is this up-and-down game and they want to get out and get in tempo and, and try to get out and get a cheap basket before uh, before your defense is set, that that's something that's given State some problems this year. As you guys are well aware, Missouri did that, Oregon did that. We had some earlier teams in non-conference did that. Just didn't have – you know the firepower to pull it off, but people don't want don't want to set up a half court set against Mississippi State. They want to get out and run. And sometimes, if they get Jordan Danbury in foul trouble, then Jazz has to be a little more careful. The next thing you know, we've got some drama. Uh, but all that being said, it should be a great weekend in women's basketball. We expect State to get out of here, and then we'll worry about next weekend when it gets here. You know what I'm saying? Let, let's just let's beat Southern, and then beat either San Diego, pardon me, South Dakota, or Clemson and then advance to the uh, Sweet 16 yet again for the fourth straight year, right? How cool is that? I want to thank our friends at Bulldog Burger Company for always keeping us uh, well-fed. And uh, Bulldog Burger Company, the place in Starkville where all the cool kids go to break bread. When you're in town, go find your own new favorites. There's so many great options to choose from. 
you go in there, you sit down, you get great service, you get great food, you get it at a great price. It is a place that is uniquely Starkville, and I'm one of those kind of people, I believe in eating local. I really do. I, I like to support our local eating establishments. Baltimore Company, part of a great family of restaurants here, from people that you know. These are Starkville people. And so when you're investing in Baltimore Company, you're not just having a great meal. You're invested in our community. Absolutely. No, no questions about it. A lot of great op- items to choose from there. You can have the Angry Bird salad if you're a little bit health conscious. Have the Kell State salad. Get the grilled cheese. Get the chicken sandwich. But sometimes in life, you have got to have that great restaurant-quality hamburger. Sometimes that, that's what you deserve. So treat yourself to that by going to Bulldog Burger Company, the place in Stark where people go to meet, M-E-A-T. So let's get into some baseball here for a second. Uh, last night, Mississippi State uh, absolutely shells Arkansas Little Rock. Eric Sarantola did not have a good outing. Eric uh, had allowed just one run, an unearned run, through four appearances and was 3-0. Comes in. Survives two-thirds of an inning. Uh, just is a nightmare of an inning for him. Gives off a leadoff single. The next thing you know, we walk a guy's hit by pitch. And then it's it's 4 nothing before we even sat down and had a chance for our nachos to get soggy. We're already down 4 nothing uh, in the top of the first. Well, the good news is Arkansas Little Rock didn't score the rest of the ball game, but Mississippi State did. Mississippi State scores 15 runs unanswered with um, a huge, I guess, eight-run inning in the six, I guess it was. But, uh, you know, a lot, a lot about that ball game that I, that I want to talk about, but uh, the first and foremost thing is Mississippi State is uh, hitting the baseball, and it doesn't matter who you're trotting out there. We're swinging the bats pretty well. Really been excited about Josh Hatcher's uh, place in the lineup. You know, uh, he's 11 for 21 on a season now, hitting uh, over 500. Uh, last night, another, another two hits from him, and uh, you recall Josh was uh, the opening day first baseman. And then uh, when, in all the transition last year, lost a job and, and, and kind of lost his way a little bit. He has worked his way back, and even Coach Lamona said last night they didn't have a great spring training, but now he's beginning to kind of turn things around in BP. But this is a guy that has made this offense really go. And, uh, you know, we know what to expect from some of the notables, you know, with Jake Mangum and, you know, Tanner Allen and, and Elijah McNamee, and we're beginning to get very comfortable with Justin Foscue in the order, and Jordan Westbrook's a guy that uh, – uh, has has been up and down, but he's a guy when he gets hot, he's very, very difficult to beat. But uh, then you add Hatcher to this mix, and uh, he's a guy that's been this hot as a firecracker here the last couple of weeks, and I think he has hit his way into the lineup. I don't think there's any question. He, he gives you another left-handed stick in the lineup. Uh, he's got some power. And so when you begin to think about how good things were going, and all of a sudden you add another offensive piece to this deal, uh, it, it's kind of scary. And uh, there are some things that are still not quite clicking. You know, listen, a lot of people continue to ask about Rowdy Jordan. And Rowdy, Rowdy has struggled as of late. Yesterday, he hit the baseball extremely hard. And I thought Jake Mangum made an interesting comment. He hits a long fly ball to left that uh, should have been a sack fly. And, next, and so then he would be 0 for 0. And then it bounces off the left footer's glove and run scores. And now he's 0 for, 0 for 1. And so the, the, the average dips even more. But he does his job there. His job there with the runner on third and less than two outs is to elevate a ball to the outfield. Uh, and get that run home, and he does that. And so he's just kind of been a hard luck kid, and he, and he hit an absolute screamer uh, at, right at the shortstop yesterday. And then you think if he hits that ball 10 feet either way, uh, it's possibly a double. But um, Rowdy will come around. It's not like he's not seeing the baseball. It's not like he's not putting the ball in play. There have been some at-bats where he, you know, he's hit a dribble back to the mound or popped up on the infield. But he's making contact, and it's just a matter of time. It's just a matter of time before he returns to form. And so – that's the one thing people look at and say, well, you know, we're doing great, but what about Rowdy? Rowdy is is our best left fielder. He is one of the most athletic players on the team. He's a switch hitter. That is all going to be fine. Just people need to be patient. 
be supportive of Rowdy. Probably the big news last night, though, Jake Mangum matches a career high with five hits. Five for six, three RBS, a couple runs scored. Uh, has hit have five hits in a game three times now. The most recent time was 2018 against Ole Miss. Now five last night. So with five hits, that gives Jake now 311 career hits in a Mississippi State uniform. And so he is now five behind Steve Gendron for fourth all-time Mississippi State. Good chance that he could catch that this week. I mean, goodness, I guess, you know, if he has a night like last night, which I don't expect, then uh, he could tie it tonight. But uh, we'll play against Sanford tonight, and we'll get into that a little bit later in the show. But um, Jake is closing in on some very rarefied air. You know, we talk about the SEC hits record. He's got a chance to get that. And I believe the fact that Antoine DePlantis is uh, still chasing Jake, that that will motivate Jake even more. Not that Jake needs it, but I think that that kind of adds some intrigue to the chase, that not only is he chasing Eddie Furness, he's trying to outrun Antoine DePlantis. And quite frankly, I think any record that an LSU Tiger holds needs to be uh, shattered. That's just my personal opinion about it. Call me salty, whatever. Uh, but So Jake is now in the top five safely. Steve Gendron is next at 316. Then after that is Travis Chapman at 327. And then right above Travis is Richard Lee at 328. And so when you begin to kind of look at this, with a really good week or two, Jake should surpass that and then uh, then be between he and Jeffrey Ray. And really, if you look at these numbers, this is really a record of longevity. Same thing with Eddie Fern's record. These are, it's not, there's not a lot of three-year guys uh, in the top ten in hitting. And so you almost have to be a senior. And if you look at this, the guys that have had all these hits from Mississippi State are all seniors. And so this is one that uses – there's not going to be a lot of guys like Jake. So this is a record you would suspect should stand for a long time. Jeffrey Ray – it was a guy that came in kind of a punch-and-judy hitter, but he was a guy that, uh, as his career advanced, uh, became a little more authoritative with the bat, was never a home run guy, but he was always a guy that was a very, very solid hitter. And so this record is not just one of longevity, but it's one of excellence over a four-year career. Uh, I believe Jake is going to get them both. If Jake stays healthy, I think Jake will take down both records. And, uh, and I think that is something that uh, we're beginning to witness and I think there's some people out there that have kind of slept on this a little bit and, and what a major accomplishment this is. And I asked Jake about that last night. You can go watch that video. All that baseball team coverage that we had last night is free. You can go watch it right now. You can go watch Josh Hatcher talk about uh, how hot he's been as of late, what's working for him. And you'll be very impressed with him, how humble he is. And then you'll see Coach Lamonis. And then if you go read the game story that Dave Murray wrote, in the middle of that, there's a video with Jake Mangum uh, talking about uh, Rowdy Jordan talking about chasing the record, you know, talking about this lineup, um, you know, very mature approach to things. But you can go watch that stuff for free. We're making that for free. So go, so go watch it. Go to Gene's page, watch it. And while you're there on Gene's page, we're running a special right now. Buy one month and get two months free. So it's three months for nine bucks and ninety five cents. That'll get you through the end of college baseball season and get you into the June camp season. What I mean by that is, you know, we'll be having the June football camps here, um, you know, in June where all the, the big prospects come in. So that, you, know, you take advantage of this two-for-one special, and that, that'll get you through that. And then by the time that gets you through Omaha, everything. And then by that time we think you'll love us so much, you'll stick with us. But all that being said, go go check that out. So uh, Mississippi State will take on Samford tonight. Now, 
a lot of people say, well, you know, it's a midweek game. Guys, we, we played Samford in an NCAA regional last year. I don't know if you remember that. You know, after State got beat by Oklahoma in a game where we couldn't throw strikes, uh, we ended up playing Samford in an elimination game. Or pardon me, I don't know if that's right or not. I think we played them after Florida State. But let me check the schedule here because I don't want to mislead you. Yeah, we, we beat them after Florida State. You know, we had the dramatic walk-off to beat Florida State with Elijah Magman, one of the biggest hits in Mississippi State baseball history. And then people forget, we, we played Samford in that ball game, and that was a 9-8 ball game. Okay, that was not uh, just one where we just kind of showed up and they gave us the game. We had to get out there and go play. State jumps on them pretty early and uh, gets three runs in the first and is up uh, five to nothing. And then guess what happens, guys? The wheels kind of fall off, and the next thing you know, it's five to five. Stanford puts up five runs in the third inning, and then State begins to kind of put them away that are late in the ball game. But they come back in the eighth, and it makes it a little bit of a different ball game. Uh, Jake Mangum led that game off with a solo home run. But it was not our finest hour by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, J.P. France comes in, kind of closes things out for us, and gets the save there. Goes, uh, you know, last uh, inning and a third, striking out a couple, not giving up a hit. But, uh, you know, Jacob Billingsley went seven innings for us, but uh, did have the one long inning there uh, to give up five runs. But uh, this is, uh, so this Sanford team, and they're, I think they're 14-5. and Let's correct, 14-5 and right now. This is a team that uh, has played very well on their league, and they're going to be a team that is going to look at this ball game and say, you know what, uh, this is an RPI building opportunity for us. They're going to throw Jalon Long, who is a uh, freshman guy they feel really good about, and uh, he's had a half dozen appearances so far. So, so, so far. Uh, but he's a guy they expect to be a weekend guy for them down the stretch. And so we expect their best effort tonight. Uh, it's going to be a 6 p.m. first pitch over at Sanford. I will be making the trip. Matter of fact, once we wrap up the show and get this thing distributed, I'll be uh, – collecting my belongings and getting ready to make that drive over there. Uh, so we'll have full coverage, and so you can follow me on Twitter. for. I think I'm, I'll be the only media guy there. A lot of people are already beginning to leave and to prepare to go to, to San Jose. And so uh, Tyler Horka, I know, and uh, Brian Haydad already on their way. And, I, and I'm the, uh, the new guy, Ben Portnoy, at the uh, Columbus Dispatch, he's headed out to San Jose. So this weekend, it, you're going to have your media coverage kind of split among all of us. Uh, Dave Murray and I are staying here. Robbie Fox is going to have the women's basketball stuff. And then, you know, we'll have some post-game interviews and that sort of stuff. And then we'll have Auburn all weekend. And so there will be some of your media outlets that won't be able to cover everything. We we are not going to San Jose State or San Jose, California. Uh, the Mississippi State folks from uh, Jeans Page are not. Uh, so that is something that we won't cover. We will cover everything else. And so you can look for that coverage, look at coverage of baseball, women's basketball, right here on, on Gene's page. So, again, uh, Auburn coming in this weekend, big, big series. But we need to go out here and get this ball game against Samford. You know, Jesse McCord that used to pitch at Mississippi State, he is over at Samford now. And so this is not a program that is just like a bunch of guys that were not Division One ready. This is a bunch of guys that kind of have a chip on their shoulder that feel like they had Division One talent. And this is a, this is a statement making contest for them i don't know what type of attendance to expect i do expect we'll see some good bulldog fans over there we get a, a huge uh, birmingham alabama mississippi state alumni base there so i expect we'll probably have more bulldog fans there than samford fans but uh this if you look up early in the ball game and this is a tight ball game don't be the least bit surprised because this is going to be a uh, this is going to be one of those ball games mississippi state's going to have to play we're not just going to be able to show up now one of the things that i'll share with you this Mississippi State offense, 
uh, it's really beginning to put some things together. And I don't know that we, maybe we saw we, we kind of hoped to be pretty potent offensively this year. I don't know that if we expected it to pound out 17 hits against uh, Florida's Saturday starter or Saturday pitching because uh, State hit the ball this weekend you know, pretty well all weekend. Mississippi State in 21 games has already scored 10 runs or more eight times on the season. Uh, State did that 16 times last year throughout the length of the season. And so State's ahead of that pace because if you look at it, five of those 16 double-digit run games from Mississippi State last year came in the postseason. And uh, it really shows you, again, kind of illustrates how great State was down the stretch. You throw in that Florida series, and that's basically with your backs against the wall, seven seven ball games with 10 or more runs, including the uh, the 12-4 win Friday over Florida and 13-6 win over them on Saturday. Then you come out there and you throw up 10 in a loss to Oklahoma, bounce back and score 13 in the uh, win over Oklahoma in the Sunday game, and then 10-8 winners over Vandy and 10-6 winners over Vandy in a Super Regional, and then a 12-2 win over uh, North Carolina. And so you begin to look at all that and you realize, you know, State was kind of trending down the stretch. They've brought that momentum with them into the season. And this is a more potent offensive lineup than we had last year. That's just the reality of things. Last year, once we got through it, I'm not being disrespectful to anybody, but once we got to that bottom third of the order last year, you were kind of hoping for the best. You're kind of hoping maybe, maybe they walk us or maybe we get a chink hit somewhere, you know. And so that's a big part of things. But now this is a bona fide lineup that can hurt you up and down the order. And that's really what, we've, what we're beginning to see more times than not is that, it, yeah, you know what to expect from Jake Mangum. But when Jake doesn't have a big ball game, there are plenty of people in the order to pick him up. A couple of years ago, if Jake Mangum didn't get on or Hunter Seval didn't get on and Britt Rooker didn't face somebody in a stretch, chances are we weren't going to score. That's just not the case anymore. This is a team that is very capable of putting up runs pretty much whenever they want to. And uh, we, we've seen it all season long where they, they come back and they'll answer. They'll answer in a big way. Uh, when when one opposition scores and uh, and that to me that is the mark of a championship caliber team is they just don't give the opponent any room to breathe and as soon as they get an opportunity to, to kind of answer back and put some things down they do it looking at last night's production you know that's that bottom third didn't really come through for us uh, and so that's something we'll watch tonight because Roddy Jordan hit nine hole last night they gave uh, Gunnar Halter the, the night off and Landon Jordan uh, was in his spot Landon Jordan 0 for 4 on the night as well. And i tell you what's interesting about Landon. Landon was among state's leading hitters in the fall. It's been a little more of a difficult transition, kind of getting in, you know, with um, into the SEC. You know, it's just the reality of things. But uh, it's a little different deal. But we expect big things from him. But uh, one of the things I thought was interesting last night, and I mentioned Sarantola did not have uh, his best stuff last night, is you had a freshman catcher and a freshman pitcher. And, and I'd, ordinarily, you see the opposite there. Ordinarily, you'd see a freshman pitcher with uh, with, with uh, Marshall Gilbert or Dustin Skelton. I know they'd love to give Skelton the, the, the night off with five games to play in a week. And, and so they did. But uh, it's, it's interesting that you've got a, you had a freshman catcher in Hayden Jones and a freshman pitcher in Eric Sarantola. And then the next thing you know, you, you kind of get behind the ball game and you end up coming back there. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see what they do tonight. Peyton Plumley, a veteran guy, will start on the mound. I don't know who starts behind the plate just yet. Uh, but we know what to expect from Peyton. Uh, we know that we'll get a consistent competitive effort out of him, and then we'll kind of see where all that goes. Uh, but, again, look for that. And then we'll have uh, the baseball preview for the uh, the Auburn Series baseball preview. That'll be up on Gene's page here pretty soon, too. And so uh, another incentive to come by and check things out there for sure. Now, looking ahead to uh, tomorrow, we'll have an opportunity to have uh, 
kind of media press conferences with uh, with all of the teams that will attend the women's basketball tournament here in Starkville. We will have a chance to kind of get involved with all of that, and uh, we'll have that content up for you over on Gene's page, and then uh, and then we'll get into we'll get a chance to go to practice a little while and kind of see everybody kind of move and operate, and then as we get into Friday, as you guys know, a lot going on the the, the Friday women's game, the Friday men's game, the uh, Friday baseball game is moved to six o'clock. 6 p.m. That's the first pitch. Probably not as early as a lot of Bulldog fans would like for it to be. Uh, we expect that women's basketball game to tip around 8:30 Central. There's usually like a 30-minute, you know, opportunity for kind of get everybody cleaned up and get ready to go. You know, because they have one game and then the next game starts right behind that. Uh, it's not like the SEC tournament where you've got a, a lot of room to, to operate there, but you give everybody a chance to kind of get situated and get your staffers in place. So around 8:30. That's what we're expecting around 8.30 Friday night for the women. So it's going to be a long day in Starkville for us that, uh, you know, for the, the kind of work to beat here. And so many of you, I know, uh, are beginning to think, okay, well, we've got baseball here. Auburn's coming in. A lot of hotel rooms being bought. And then you've got all these other folks coming around. So it is going to be a late night on the road for many of you. And so my hope is, is that everybody is prepared for that. It is going to be um, a great weekend and Bulldog Sports. And we, we, we talked last year about how great a year it was. The 2017-18 athletic year was a great year. And we all looked ahead and said, you know, as great as this year was, next year will be even better. Because we felt really confident about the men's basketball team making the NCAA tournament field. Well, we've done that. And so this is the year to date that we have pretty much met expectations and everything. You know, last year, we I believe we had everybody but men's basketball go to the postseason. Now, here's some of the things that I'm beginning to hear. We've already won, we already had a winning season in football. We get the egg back. We, we make a New Year's Day ball game. We don't win the game, but I'm not going to belabor that point. Uh, the women are a one-seed women's basketball again. The men are back in the NCAA tournament as a five-seed. Uh, baseball is doing outstanding among the national elite, ranked number two in the country. Men's and women's golf off to a good start. Hearing that both of them should be an NCAA tournament. Tennis doing outstanding. Women's tennis doing pretty well, too. A lot of people projecting, in fact, that we would have them in the tournament as well. Softball, we're beginning to see it. It's an unbelievable power surge over there. I saw a graphic yesterday where there are three hitters in the country with 14 home runs or more, and two of them are Mississippi State. It's outstanding. And so when you begin to look at this, we're in kind of rarefied air. There have been some years we just hoped that any team would make it to the postseason. We'd have something to cheer about. And now you're, you're at a real – you're at the precipice of something great because there could be a real opportunity for, for pretty much every team at Mississippi State this academic year to make it to the postseason. And I think that is a real tribute to our leadership with uh, Dr. Martinum and John Cohen and our coaching staff and really everybody involved in Mississippi State. This, this, is, this is the kind of stuff we, we had hoped for. And now that it's here, let's really appreciate it. Your student athletes uh, are representing you in, in, in a way like they never have before. And uh, I believe that uh, this month of March and uh, April are going to be outstanding months for Mississippi State. And uh, I know we're all very mostly invested in all of that. But if you begin to kind of look at this, and if you could go back and, uh, you know, speak to your, your forefathers and speak to your, your, your grandfathers and people like that and say, hey, you know what, there's going to come a time when Mississippi State is going to be good at everything people would have laughed you out of the building. 
Because we didn't have the resources, we didn't have the commitment, we didn't have the financial wherewithal to get facilities the, the way we needed to to compete in this league. And I'll tell you what's interesting. is I spent the weekend at the University of Florida covering baseball. I also had an opportunity to go to a football practice on uh, Saturday morning. Uh, guys, the uh, facilities at Florida, with the rare exception, are not as good as what you have at Mississippi State. And I know that's, that's shocking when you think about Florida and their resources and that huge Nike contract and Gatorade and all that. Now, that's about to change because that's what Scott Strickland does. I mean, Scott is really a facilities guy. So they're going to change things there. They're going to change their facilities. And I think there are a lot of people, and just talking to some Gator uh, media folks down there, they say, well, that was kind of the Jeremy Foley way. So they just felt like everybody wanted to come to Florida, so why invest in all these facilities? Uh, their baseball standard uh, stadium is well beneath even what we had with the old Duty Noble. It was not even close. And I know some of you ventured down there uh, for the Super Regional uh, a few years back, and you, and you saw some of that. And it, it's really amazing what Florida's been able to do with how little they have, and that sounds almost uh, you know trollish, but that's the reality. When you look at how, how do you recruit when everybody makes places such a premium on facilities? And so you, you walk around and you have a chance to go in the football IPF, and guys, I'll tell you, it's not better than Palmero. It's a lot like Alabama. And that's one of the things that's funny, too. If you've ever been to Alabama, you know what I'm talking about. Alabama's IPF may, may be one of the most least impressive in the, in the conference. It's just, it's just a place to go practice, guys. I mean, it's not, it's not a palace. You're not, you're not spending the night there. You know, it, it's not something where you're, you're going and hanging out. You're just going in there to practice. But people have placed such a premium on that stuff. And so... The more that I travel and the more places that I see, the more I appreciate what we have at Mississippi State. And I had a chance, I kind of mentioned that to John Cohen, and he goes, yeah, and that wasn't always the case. And that's true. And so we're in kind of the glory years of Mississippi State athletics. And uh, you are a shareholder in that success. And so I don't know how long all this is going to last, you know, because it'll all cycle back around, you know, now that we've built the new duty noble. And listen, there are a lot of schools in this conference that aren't going to make that investment. Okay. Uh, LSU is not going to go out there and, and build a new Alex Box Three. That's not going to happen. They they may you know they'll upgrade a little bit from time to time, but they kind of are who they are. Uh, Ole Miss not going to rebuild their stadium. They've got a great stadium there now. It's not nearly as nice as Duty Noble Field. But a lot of people have already made their upgrades. Plainsman Park at Auburn. There's no need for them. It's, and I think it's a cool park. Alabama's done theirs. And so if you look at kind of where we are now at Mississippi State, it will be a long time before anybody builds a new SEC baseball stadium that will be able to rival Duty Noble Field with the exception of Florida. And so, and if that's the only team we're competing against, because I'll tell you, I, I don't know how many how many guys we're going head-to-head with, with Florida anyway, but when you begin to kind of look at that in the grand scheme of things and you look at the fact that Mississippi State is going to have number one, number two stadium in the conference, in a baseball-crazy conference, I think that bodes well for recruiting down the stretch. I think for the foreseeable future, you look at it and say, okay, well, yeah, you know, that Duty Noble thing was really cool. You know, it was kind of a novelty thing. But LSU seemed like a big league ballpark. Bomb Stadium seemed like a big league ballpark. Well, now when you go to Duty Noble, you have the same. You have, you don't, I don't know that you have the same charm in the lounge, and, and I'll be honest with you, I, I'm a little surprised that people haven't tailored their spots a little more. And there's some few people that have, but I, I'm, I'm surprised more people haven't. And maybe by the time we get deeper in SEC play, that will happen. But 
the commitment that this administration has made to your student-athlete experience and the fan enjoyment uh, level is unsurpassed. And uh, it is something that, uh, again, the more that I travel, the more that I respect. And uh, I'm unbelievably proud of Dirty Noble Field. And as good as things are now, I expect them to only get better. It's just a matter of time before we win a national championship in baseball. And I think it's probably just a matter of time before we win a national championship in women's basketball. And I don't know that we'd always been able to say that. There's so many people that have said, you know what, Mississippi State will never do this. They'll never do that. Because they wanted to keep us under their thumb. They wanted to keep us down. Because a lot of people have kind of been treading water for years in this conference. And they haven't made the commitment that Mississippi State's made in the last decade to facilities and to the fan experience and to recruiting. And Mississippi State has surpassed some of those programs. And I think when you look at the health of Mississippi State, the health of the entire athletic department, I don't know that I would trade positions with just about anybody when you look at the total picture. yeah, I'd love to be Alabama football. I'd love to be LSU baseball, and I think we're on the verge of that. That may happen in my lifetime. Uh, but uh, you look at the fact, too, you know, Florida, look how dreadful they were in women's basketball. It's one of those things you ask yourself, how is Florida ever bad at anything? And then you get over there and you talk to some of their people, and you kind of figure it out. You know, you know, they've got so much going on, they're kind of spread thin at times. And they win a lot of national championships in women's sports. That's, it's incredible to think that the women's basketball wouldn't be more competitive there. Uh, but all that being said, uh, we've got a great little uh, niche carved out within this conference, and I think now we're kind of reaping the benefits from it. And so there's so many people that you know, when, when, one, when we have a bad ball game and we get caught up in our feelings, get all emotional, and we're saying, you know, well, we need to change this, we need to change that. Guys, we don't need to change anything. Okay, we need to continue to do what we are doing and then see the process through because you have a bulldog as your university president. You have a bulldog in your athletic department. You've got a ton of bulldogs in the building now, but you've also been able to supplement where perhaps where our talent pool is a little weak and you've been able to bring in some other people like, uh, you know, like Leah Beasley uh, to come in and really add some strength uh, to, to our athletic programs. And so when I think about where we are, uh, I, I'm not a status quo guy because I don't believe that's where I don't believe that we're standing still. I believe we're still trending forward, and uh, what you guys are seeing now, and it's almost one of those things. There's almost so much going on, you can't keep up with everything, and that's what we try to do over at Gene's page is to kind of keep up with everything so you don't have to to make it easier for you guys to go look all this stuff up. And we cover more stuff, and um, the, we talked about this yesterday. Paul Jones and Mike Neves and I had a meeting. There's so much more fan interest now that we have to make more of a commitment to do things that we haven't done historically. Uh, so we encourage you to come join us. Come on out to the ballpark, and uh, I hope that you'll be on campus this weekend. should be a historic weekend. I'll be back on Friday, and we'll begin to preview uh, you know, what to expect for the weekend. And uh, the next time we're together, we'll talk about Mississippi State hopefully winning a ball game against Sanford, and uh, the men will be uh, – in San Jose, getting ready to go. Should be a huge Maroon Friday. Maybe go out and get yourself a new shirt at Campus Bookmart. Go by and have a good restaurant-quality hamburger at Bulldog Burger Company to, to celebrate Maroon Friday. Until next time, let's all live our lives and a way we make more friends and enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live.